Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts. I'm Spen. He's Nick. We're brothers. And I think that the Nets are officially in like some type of apocalypse right now. I am hearing some wild conspiracy off-season reports that I don't think there's any way of possibly happening but we're going to get to that later in the episode. I'm, I'm teasing that for later. I feel teased. You should feel teased. Uh, before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by Cuddly Whiskers. Cuddly Whiskers, they are a seasonal double IPA you can find at Elementary, in, Elementary Brewery in Hackensack, New Jersey. You're probably asking me, hey, Spencer, did you guys get a sponsorship from Elementary? That sounds great. We did not. I happen to go there a lot, and I happen to have named this beer. Yes, that's right. I named a beer. Not a big deal. Cuddly Whiskers. You can get it one to two months out of the entire year, every three years. It's delicious. Check it out. Elementary and Hackensack. Looks good. Have you ever had one? No, I don't like double IPAs. Is that because you don't support anything I do? No, it's because IPAs go right to the stomach. And right out the butt. Anyway, we're going to start today's episode off by getting into a great debate, Nick. I like to call this one the great Nick Claxton versus Bruce Brown debate. So if anyone's up on Nets Twitter, you've obviously been seeing that the Nets are more than likely to pick up Nick Claxton's three-year, $35 million option. And there are expectations that Bruce Brown will command somewhere between 14 to $18 million in free agency. And a lot of people don't think that the Nets and Sean Mark would want to get him on a contract like that. So this has led to a lot of arguing on Nets Twitter. You got a lot of Bruce Brown stands out there versus a lot of Nick Claxton stands. Where, where do you, Nick, stand on the great Bruce Brown-Nick Claxton debate? I mean, ideally, I'd like to keep both, but if I had to pick one, it, it would make sense to pick up Claxton's contract. He's a kind of developing into a solid big man. Obviously, the idea is for him to be the starting five on a championship contending team. Bruce Brown will never be a starter on a championship con- contending team. And quite frankly, for that price point, we can get someone who's bigger. I love Bruce Brown. I love everything he did, especially post-Harden. Uh, I'm going to say I told you so for the 50th time. I knew Harden was bringing him down. Harden left. Bruce is now averaging double digits and becoming a key contributor in the playoffs of 2022. With that said, we need a bigger three and D guy. We need a more consistent three point shooter. We need a bigger body. um, Someone with a little more experience, someone who can come off the bench and provide a bump. You know, we're talking about uh, uh, someone out there similar to a Jay Crowder, similar to a, uh, you know, even like a Will Barton a couple of years back when he would come off, provide some size and he was a decent scorer. So, to me, it would be sad to part with Bruce Brown. I love Bruce Brown. Also, your green screen is terrible, by the way. Your head keeps getting – you keep going invisible. Um, but logically, this makes sense to keep Claxton at that price point and, uh, and get rid of Bruce. 
I don't think that the Nets should get rid of Bruce. Like if, if they're able to get him on a bargain, then absolutely get him. I think that towards this, the end of the year in the playoffs, Bruce Brown really did an exceptional job of sort of picking up the slack, uh, especially after that James Harden trade. Um, my issue with Brown is this. If your plan is to have a future with Ben Simmons, Bruce Brown to me is a poor man's Ben Simmons. He is a, a, a guy who who tries to make plays for his teammates. He is the, he is the you know you can't really you don't have to guard him from three. He can hit the occasional three, but he's not a threat from out there. Um, he is looking to drive, attack the zone, and find the open guy, whether it's an open guy for three or the alley oop to someone down low. Um, ben Simmons does all the things that Bruce Brown does, minus shoot the occasional three, and he does them much better than Bruce Brown. Uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think Brown is, is limited on, on that end. And, and Ben Simmons is what, 6'8", six, 6'9"? Six, like he's an absolute freak of nature. I think Ben Simmons is 6'10", dude. He's pretty tall. You have to keep Nick Claxton he's for a few reasons. He's 6'11". So you're very off in sight. Okay. You have to keep Nick Claxton uh, for a ton of reasons. One, he is still – I call him Mr. Potential because I still don't think he's he's reached his peak yet – he, he can get a lot better on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, um, but with that said, he's had a couple of years now, and he's really gradually – like, don't – again, I, I agree with you that, like, this is an investment because Claxton should be getting better. But his pace at which he's getting better is extremely slow. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. But you have to still take the guy who has the athleticism. You know, he can – like, we've seen what he can do with KD. What we, we've seen, obviously – Harden sort of we, – we saw a great version of Clax with James Harden. Then Harden left, and, and Clax's place sort of died off a little bit. It picked up towards the end of the season. And when he's healthy, when he's engaged, he is the most versatile defender that we had last year outside of Kevin Durant. I mean, he can guard the one to the five, and and he shut – I don't know if you remember this. He had a few really amazing – first of all, he, he blocked LeBron – in one game to a set. Oh, he dunked on LeBron. That's what it was. He dunked on LeBron. And I think he might've stuffed him. Um, he, he checked Luca on defense multiple times. He checked Trey young on defense. I mean, he is an all world defender when he wants to be. And on the offensive side of the ball, he he's, he's a center who can move without the ball. He, he's, he's a great finisher when it comes to alley-oops. Um, can he, can he get a little bit smarter with his decision-making? Absolutely. Like that's the one area I think that Bruce Brown beats him in is, is Bruce Brown's a much, much smarter basketball player. He has, he has a, a much better IQ than, um, than Nick Claxton does. Nick Claxton's been in the league since 2019. Okay, you look at his numbers. In 47 games last year, he averaged 8.7 points a game on 67% from the field, 5.6 rebounds, 1.1 blocks. He has never had the chance to be a starter, Right. He had to play behind Jared Allen for a few years, and then he had to play behind Andre Drummond for a minute. Drummond is most likely gone, probably not going to be a Brooklyn net, going to bring back Claxton. Claxton is going to be our guy. And I think this contract just makes sense from the standpoint of you drafted him, you've liked what you've seen, he's, he's given you enough in terms of there could be something there, especially with, with you know, the rest of the roster being Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, uh, whoever they decide to bring back as far as the role players go. Like he is a guy who you can absolutely use um, if you want to go.
go for the championship next year. As long as he doesn't go 0 for 10 from the free throw line again. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That is something he really needs to work on. Um, all right. So we're both in favor of Nick Claxton for that that Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton debate. And I just – I don't see a world where we keep Bruce Brown. I just don't think it makes sense. I love what he gave this team in two years. I, I thought that um, – for him to take a back seat at the beginning of this year and then still be prepared to contribute when push came to shove was awesome to see. Uh, I, I commend him for everything he gave this team. I just don't think from a contract from a financial standpoint um, and just from a basketball perspective, it makes sense to bring him back with Ben Simmons returning with a lot of these role guys returning. I just don't think he's going to have the minutes and he doesn't do enough without the ball to justify paying him that money especially with a uh, healthy Seth Curry, ideally a healthy Joe Harris, uh, depending on one of them not moving around. But yeah, I think we just have stronger kind of flex guard shooters, scorers who, who are also decent enough on defense, who are also just bigger uh, than Bruce Brown. Real quick, I want to shout out Jay from BK on Twitter. Uh, no reason other than he retweeted us. And I appreciate anybody who retweets this podcast. If you retweet us, I'm going to give you a shout out. And I actually really like Jay from BK. He's got some great opinions. Um, very, very uh, engaged on Nets Twitter. One of the more more popular accounts out there. So shout out to Jay from BK. If you want to follow him, that's that's literally it. His, his uh, Instagram, I'm sorry, his Twitter is J from BK. The letter J from BK. All right, moving on. Nets general manager, Sean Marks, and Lakers general manager, Rob Palinka had a meeting at the Marriott Marquis this week at the NBA Combine. Nick, is this something or nothing? I don't know. I mean, every team's talking to every team right now. I heard rumors that Duncan Robinson was going to go to the Lakers. So I don't know. I think everyone's kind of hedging their bets right now, seeing what's out there. I'm, I'm very interested to see what the Lakers do. I mean, they're terrible. So they're, I'm honestly more curious as to what this means for them. Obviously, it affects us as well. But, you know, it's a team. They picked up DeAndre Jordan. We're both teams with super high-paid superstars that kind of have bottom-of-the-barrel role players that get dropped and picked up like freaking marbles. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Definitely like marbles, Nick. That's a great point. Um, and I'll, look, I'll tell you this. I love, first of all, I fucking love Nets Twitter because a meeting happens, right? Between Rob Polinka and Sean Marks. No one knows what was discussed. There's no way no one's ever going to know what was discussed. They could have just been catching up and, and talking about, I don't know, season two of Righteous Gemstones on HBO Max. Maybe they're big Danny McBride fans. Who knows? Maybe they're fans of, of John Goodman. Totally unrelated. LeBron James was answering questions on Twitter the other day. And a hypothetical question came up. Who would you want to play Jordan, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen uh, in a two-on-two game? Who would you want as, as your uh, teammate? And LeBron James' answer was Kobe, Kevin Durant, or Kyrie Irving. So this led to a lot of Nets fans on Twitter speculating, what if LeBron James is traded to the Brooklyn Nets? Christian Winfield our guy for, who writes for the New York Daily News, he's a he's a Brooklyn Nets beat reporter. He wrote an article about it, what what it would take. So, Nick, what do you think of Nets Twitter fawning over the 2% chance 
that somehow at the tail end of his career, the Nets can get LeBron James on the same team, potentially, as Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And my thought process is, if you're getting LeBron, you're absolutely trading Ben Simmons. There's no way on God's green earth you're allowed to have a team with those four guys on it. If I'm Anthony Davis, listen, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I'd put my life savings that that doesn't happen. I'd be pissed if that ever Anthony Davis was like, dude, I came to the Lakers. Yeah, they won a ship, but, he, but Anthony Davis is trying to get more than that. And LeBron just pieces out and leaves Anthony Davis with Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. That's like the worst thing you could ever do to a man in the NBA. Second of all, who was the first guy you mentioned? Le- LeBron said he'd play with someone, Kyrie and Durant. Kobe. Yeah, okay. RIP Kobe Bryant, obviously one of the best of all time. How are we taking that as a hint that he wants to play with Durant or Kyrie and go to the Nets when he literally mentioned Kobe Bryant, who obviously isn't in the league anymore. He was retired before he passed away, unfortunately. But like, so we take two names and then consider that some sort of weird conspiracy theory hint. But wait, there's more. Hold on to your headphones because this one's a screamer. Okay. You know what reference that, that is? No. Matthew Lillard in the movie Scream. Come on now. Come on. You're okay. supposed to be a cinephile. It's a, it's a great line. Um, Kyrie Irving being interviewed last week or two weeks ago, whenever he was interviewed on uh, I Am Athlete, the podcast with Brandon Marshall, or was it when he spoke to um, Eddie? I'm not, it was one of, he, Kyrie did two major interviews. And in one of them, he talked about how like he respected that he still respects LeBron James sort of admitted that he wasn't mature enough at the time on how he handled his departure from Cleveland and sort of left the door open in like, I'm to- totally implying this here. This is not, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that him and LeBron are cool. And he would eventually like possibly potentially play with LeBron again. He didn't say this. But that's another sort of thing that people took away from that interview. So you have LeBron tweeting that he would play two-on-two with Kobe, Kevin Durant, Kyrie. You have Kyrie going on a podcast or multiple podcasts and saying no ill will towards LeBron. He was he was the guy. You know, we enjoyed our time in Cleveland together. I, I, I respect him as a basketball player. I loved him as a teammate. And you have Polinka and Sean Marks meeting together. All- yeah, and then I heard that Kevin Durant watched Paul Blart Mall Cop this weekend, which stars Kevin James, LeBron James. That's a fourth hint. It's definitely happening. Wow. That's look, I understand your sarcasm, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. But how many people realistically saw Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving coming to the Brooklyn Nets? That would also make us an even more hated team if LeBron came to the Nets. You know what it does? It makes us a more hated team and it totally increases expectations, which at the end of the day, yeah, obviously. Yeah, but my point is, I don't think we want expectations increased. Dude, no. we did not get to an Eastern Conference final with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and, and Kyrie Irving before he got hurt, and then he got hurt. But, you know, we did not accomplish shit with the big three. And everyone laughed at us. So at this point, I mean, obviously, we, we traded Harden for Simmons. That's looking great right now because Harden looked like absolute ass in the playoffs. And while we haven't seen Simmons pick up a basketball yet, he's still about – a hundred pounds less than James Harden and, and a lot taller and, and probably better at basketball right now and better um, looking and better looking. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
I just I don't want those lofty expectations. Like, do I do I want to be a championship favorite? Of course. But if you give us LeBron and we don't win with LeBron, KD, and Kyrie or any sort of variation of those three guys, we're gonna go down as the most laughable embarrassment in, in sports history. So I almost I, I almost don't want it. Like, like if you gave me LeBron, am I gonna be like, oh, get him? No, he's top two player of all time. But I don't know. He's older. You don't want to put a lot of veterans on the on the team together. You still need youth, and you're I mean, we'll do exactly up. what the Lakers. The Lakers. I was yeah. literally watching Stephen A. Smith talking about this morning and JJ Redick. Nobody. So the Lakers obviously looking for a new coach right now, right? And it's between um, Terry Stotts, Kenny Atkinson, and Darvin uh, Ham. Darvin Ham, who is a former NBA player. Uh, then he played on a Filipino team called like the Talk and Text Phone Pals. Anyway. And everyone's saying it's such an undesirable – J.J. Redick was talking about it, It's such an undesirable destination. The Lakers have no cap room. They have no draft picks. Uh, they have a bunch of superstars. They don't have much trade value unless you're willing to part with Westbrook, A.D., LeBron. That even is if Westbrook has any trade value at this point anymore because I don't think anybody wants him. So there's really nothing exciting about coaching the Lakers or looking forward to the Lakers' future if it's not the – immediate future of winning a championship and i don't want that to be the nets more so than it already is right like you just talked about expectations going higher and higher and higher i don't want to be that team that gives everybody up for three or four guys and we're shot for the next 10 years i mean look how much that screwed us over with paul pierce kg uh uh and all those guys and look what happened to the celtics who now on the same timeline as us are a championship contending team in the in the semifinals right now arguably the most complete team right now in the playoffs if not for injury, could be cruising to to their first championship since 2008. So everything points to, okay, that's a fun hypothetical, but in theory would screw us over for a very long time, would put so much pressure and expectation on us, and just gives everybody a reason to look to hate us, laugh in our face when it's over, and screw us over for the long term. So we laugh about it, but in all seriousness, I don't want it to happen. Let's keep developing Claxton. Let's develop these younger guys. Let's build a team around our core. Uh, but let's not get ahead of ourselves and, and do something too hectic. All right. I like that answer. Let's move on really quick. Um, I call this one to be or not to be a Brooklyn net. Obviously there's been a lot of speculation around Kyrie Irving um, based on Sean Marks's unwillingness to commit to Irving for the long-term future. Uh, what is the percentage that Kyrie Irving is not a Brooklyn net next year? I'd say 10%. Yeah, I'd say it's much lower. I'd say like literally, I'd say maybe 4.5. I mean, listen, stranger things have happened, right? But it's really, really unlikely to me. The only reason I'll give a 10 is because Kyrie is kind of a unpredictable guy. He's a wild card. I think wild wild card. So, I mean, listen, if if the crescent moon strikes at 1142, he might be headed to the Timberwolves. So, I I think got to take everything with a grain of salt. Got to sleep with one eye open. Got to poop your pants. And uh, we'll see what happens. Also, anybody on Nets Twitter who's talking about possibly acquiring Russell Westbrook for Kyrie Irving, I don't – please, please – Stop. And stop listening to our podcast. Delete your account. Stop listening to our podcast. Stop watching the sport of basketball. But Pick continue up. buying Cuddly Whiskers. Yes, exactly, of course. Or Slate Milk. Shout out yeah. to Slate. All right, moving on. Um, I this have This segment next... is brought to you by Slate Milk. It's not. It's actually brought to you by – um, hooked on phonics. I thought it was Cornerstone Capital. Finance. No, it's the Rosenbaum Yeshiva of North Jersey. There you go. Yeah, or Cornerstone Capital. Uh, it's called Are We All Dumb? And I asked this question because after beating the Denver Nuggets 
in five games in the first round. And then in the second round, they beat the hottest team in basketball, the Memphis Grizzlies in six. Golden State, the Warriors, are now up three to nothing on the Dallas Mavericks. Steph Curry is looking just as good as he did when he was 28, 29. He's 34 now. He is looking like the best player in the league. Clay Thompson's had his moments. Jordan Poole's had his moments. Um, Draymond Green, Kayvon Looney, Otto Porter Jr.'s ha- had some good moments in this series. They have just looked. You haven't even mentioned the guy who probably had the best dunk I've seen. Andrew Wiggins. And in, Andy, in the last Andy two Wiggins. years. Yes, Me that Eric, was. My roommate literally grabbed onto each other. We were so crazy fucked up by that posterizer that Wiggins did over Doncic. That was insane. Um. Also, to all the NBA refs out there, Mark Jones, whoever, stop calling ridiculous dunks offensive fouls. If a guy is going to levitate and slam the ball on another human being, I don't care if that guy was set. And Luca wasn't set at all yesterday. I don't know. What, I think they called it because they thought Wiggins came down with his hand on Luca's head, which is not not really accurate. I think Luca's head just hit Wiggins' hand because Wiggins was Wiggins was airborne. But like. Why the ref's first inclination on a poster is to be like charge? Like, what are you doing? And There's I like no... and I like Mark Davis, but Draymond Green had a good point. It was like you guys say Mark Jones. Out. I think it's I'm Mark Davis. Say, it is Mark Davis. You're yeah. right. I think I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure what he said. But Mark Draymond, Jones is a is a commentator. Uh, he's a play by play guy. Draymond got teed up because he basically said to Mark Davis like this isn't about you. What are you doing? <laughs> like stop stop trying to like fuck with the game. And he teed him up. And then Draymond had words from after the Wiggins players like you got you got to get your shit together. Which I which listen. I will never begin to understand the difficulty of being a ref, but professional million-dollar basketball players constantly screaming in your face. Luca complains after every call. He's slowed down the past few months because he realized he had a problem. But we like that Celtics Nets series at times was unwatchable because of the ticky tacky foul calls on both sides for both teams. I'm not saying that impacted us losing whatsoever, but some of these games, man, like it's just not fun. When they're blowing the whistle at everything, when they're reviewing everything, when everything is a flagrant, if someone just makes a hard, smart foul on a breakaway, it's getting frustrating. And I'm not going to sit here and make this podcast about the NBA is changing their rules because I still don't. love the NBA. But I actually sided with Draymond Green. I think Draymond Green's a smart-ass player. Obviously, he's a wise guy. He gets a lot of tease. But he's absolutely right. And you're absolutely right. Wiggins had a sick play. And the ref's first instinct was something's wrong here. We, we got a little off topic, but I, the reason this segment is called Are We All Dumb is because I don't think anyone really had the Warriors doing what they're doing, right? People picked the Lakers. People picked the Jazz. Obviously, a lot of people picked the Suns because they were in it last year. What the Warriors have been able to do with Klay Thompson out for a lot of this season, and he's still, he's still kind of getting his legs back. Steph Curry was out with injury for a little bit. Um, you sh- we, we, we saw the rise of Jordan Poole. We saw Andrew Wiggins have an all-star season. Um, are, are we all stupid for not seeing their sort of ascension back to dominance? Or is this something that we all just kind of missed? And when I say we, I mean NBA media, NBA Twitter. I, don't, I remember listening to the shows back in, in September when they were picking who would come out of the West, and not a lot of people had the Warriors. Why? Well, it's a lot of reasons. It's Clay Thompson. No one thought he'd come back this quickly and this efficiently. I was watching the game yesterday, and I completely forgot he's been injured for the past two years because his, his stroke is smooth. He's playing with confidence. He's playing great defense. All around is playing like a young Clay Thompson. And again, he's not old. He must be 32. But uh, he's playing great basketball, and you forget what happened to him over the past two years with the Achilles and the ACL. 
Also, I I said in the beginning of the season, if James Wiseman is healthy, I love this Warriors team. I love Otto Porter Jr. I think that's a great pickup. I think with healthy Seth Curry, with Clay coming back, if everybody's healthy, including Wiseman, because I, I don't love Kevon Looney. I think he fills a need uh, and, and he's good enough to get them where they need to go. But I think Wiseman has potential, man. I think he's great. And he was starting to really develop into a, into a great young player before he got hurt. So I don't think we're dumb. I think the only thing nobody saw coming except for him is Jordan Poole. Nobody saw Jordan Poole being the third splash brother. That dude has been lights out. And he's pulling the trigger from like six feet beyond the arc and swooshing it at a super high percentage. So that's the one thing none of us could have saw coming. I Again, Steph's always going to be Steph in crunch time. I'm, I'm not surprised Clay is playing well because it's Clay Thompson. He's one of the best shooters in NBA history. But it's great to see his, his athleticism and his stamina pretty much back to where it needs to be. Wiggins, I, everyone knew Wiggins was a great player. And I heard a great point this morning. Wiggins can't be the number one guy. But as a number two or three option, even three or four right now, if you're considering Seth, uh, Steph, Clay, Poole, Wiggins, He's an unbelievable three or four. I would kill for a three or four like Andrew Wiggins, a first overall pick, a multiple year all. Like this guy is nice. Okay. So that whole guard, the only situation, the only thing they were missing is a Wiseman, a big man, but Looney's filling that role. Draymond always obviously is playing the small five is going to pull his weight. So we're not dumb, but a lot of pleasant surprises and things, puzzle pieces need to fall in place for this to actually happen. But I love it. I, lo- I love this Warriors team. And if Clay Thompson wins a ship in his first year back from injury, I'd be fucking happy for him. And, and I, I'll correct myself because I thought Wiggins had been an all-star in the T-Wolves. This was his first all-star selection. I want to say one of three things. I'm going to say three things. Great. <laughs> I don't know why I said the first thing. Um, Jordan Poole, his game, it's not identical to Steph Curry, but he's got that same flair. He's got that same swag. He can take you off the dribble and get to the rim. He can hit the pull-up. He can hit the floater. And he's got a really nice three. And I love the emotion he plays with. I love it. When I heard, uh, I think Duncan Robinson, when he was on, he was either on someone else's podcast or his show, he was talking about like how when Jordan Poole wasn't playing at Michigan, all he could think of was like, yo, I'm so much better than everybody else. Like I'm, maybe I'll transfer. Maybe I'll go somewhere else. And then when he got his shot, he was just, insane and then like like with the warriors last year you could see flashes here and there you you know because they weren't a great team last year but boy oh boy he is he is fun to watch he's a special player and they're just so freaking deep man i mean bialitsa doesn't play and he's a pretty good player they had juan toscano anderson come in yesterday because Otto porter jr and gary payton uh the was it gary payton the second right yeah, correct. Who got hurt? They, they they're injured, so they needed to play Juan Toscano Anderson, who's who's not a bad player. Like he's all right. I I think uh, kind of got a little stage fright yesterday. Didn't didn't play too well in his limited time. But they're just such a deep team. Damian and Lee. the fact that Damian Lee, they got Kayvon Looney, Moses who was just Moody. a monster on the board. Moses Moody's had an and Jonathan Kaminga. We haven't even mentioned him. Mm-hmm. They're just such a freaking deep team. So the first thing I'll say about Jordan Poole is is that I I love watching him play. Um, completely forgot. Oh, the second thing is the ball movement that we see with the Golden State Warriors is what I want to see in Brooklyn. The way that Draymond passes the ball, the way that Kayvon Looney, their center, shares the ball. You see it with Andrew Wiggins. You see it with Steph. You see it with Clay. These guys know how to pass, and that's something that I don't think is as prevalent with the Brooklyn Nets. It's just not. So that's that's the second thing. The third thing is 
I do like watching Jason Kidd lose basketball games. It is fun. I know he's had a great year. Nobody saw the Mavs in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, Luka is a top three player in the NBA, maybe after Giannis and KD. Um, Kid had a hell of a year coach, coaching-wise. I don't I don't enjoy watching Kid lose. I oh, like I Jason do. Kid. I and, I, and let's no, be no, real. No. I was watching this Mavs team with Doncic, what's 23 years old. Dude, they're going to be a contender the next 10 years if he stays healthy. They just – they balance. need – they. you can't be depending on Maxi Kleber and Reggie Bullock – for big buckets. No, they have no bigs. They have no big. They have no big. White Powell is horrendous. They have no big men. They have no rim protection. And they play to the Warriors. When the Warriors start checking up threes, they start hucking up threes and they can't keep up. I don't like Bullock at all. It's, it's not Bullock. He he said they've been mispronouncing his name for like 10 years. It's Reggie Bullock. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., let's also remember, is injured and he's one of their top three scorers. So shout out to Spencer Dinwiddie stepping up in his absence. But listen, Mavs aren't good right now. Like I said, they are going to be dangerous in the coming years, and I would not be surprised within the next seven to ten years they won a championship. Dinwiddie was the second best player on that Mavs team last night. I mean, he, he was. I mean, you could argue that Jalen. You can argue that Jalen Brunson's been the second best player in the playoffs. That's true. Uh, we're not going to talk about Celtics Heat today because we're recording at five thirty, and they are playing tonight. So I'll just say that the Celtics either won or they lost. And uh, if, if this is post, I hope that the Heat won, but I'm expecting the Celtics to win. Yeah. All right. A few more segments, then we'll end it. Uh, first off, which Nets rookie will have the biggest leap in year two? Cam Thomas, De'Ron Sharp, Kessler Edwards, or David Duke Jr.? I think it's easy, easy Kessler Edwards. He's the guy that we've put in the most positions. He's the guy that we've put the most playing time on. Uh, he's earned his keep. We signed him for a contract. I think Kessler Edwards – becomes kind of that young three and D guy in development that we're trying to acquire a more veteran presence in that position. But if we can, if we find someone who's a little older than we like, and we want to groom Edwards into that position, I like Kessler Edwards. He got more confidence. Once he got paid, he realized he's a value to this team. We were putting him, like I said, giving him more minutes and he was stepping up. All right. He was finishing the ball around the rim. His three point shot wasn't great at times, but I think he has a smooth stroke. I think it's a mental thing for him. If he can get it down and defensively rebounding wise, he's solid. So David Duke hasn't showed me much in any category. Cam Thomas is kind of only a a one-on-one scorer. He's not really, doesn't really bring much else to the table. He's got some great X factor in terms of hitting crazy clutch shots and, and just kind of difficult fading shots. He's very talented in that regard as a scorer. And then you have Dayron Sharp, who again, Stepped up big, had a couple double-doubles when we were really freaking broken on the big man end. But like I said, he he hasn't shown much either. And we are trying to get a bigger guy, especially Claxton and some big guys around him to fill that void. I don't think Daron Sharp's going to develop quickly enough to, to step up and have any significant minutes. So Kessler Edwards. My pick is Cam Thomas. I look You're at wrong. the rise and ascension that Jordan Poole had this year. I don't think that Cam Thomas can get to that level because I don't think that he has that burst of speed that Poole has. But from a scoring standpoint, if you can figure out a way to make Cam Thomas your Lou Williams, your Nick Young off the bench, um, who are some other prominent six men? There, there's one I'm missing. Did you say Jamal Crawford? I did not say Jamal Crawford. If you could make him your team's version of those Jamal Crawford teams where he was the sixth guy on the Hawks, he would come off the bench, he'd get you buckets. Cam Thomas is capable of that. His problem this year is, A, he was a rookie. B, they had 900 guards. I don't, when was he going to play? When you're playing Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Bruce Brown, Kyrie Irving. Um, am I missing anybody? I think that was pretty much it. 
Uh, you just had way too many guards. Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic for him to see any time. So, yeah, with, with a lot of those guys departing in the offseason, Thomas is going to see a much bigger role this next season. And do I think he can get to Jordan Poole level? No. Do I think he can get close to that? He can be a really, really good sixth man? Yes. I do. You know who you know would be a better sixth man? Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, he'd be great. He's not coming back to Brooklyn. Um, all right, we move on to a little bit of a – Wah, wah. Adam Harrington, longtime Nets assistant coach, is likely gone from the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. I mean, like, you know, your your roommate has a connection to him. He, we were eventually going to get him on the podcast. I we have like maybe. a fourth degree connection to Adam Harrington. I don't know anything about the guy. If anything, I'd be more sad if Jacques Vaughn left because I we had his jersey at one point. He's the man. He has the best beard in the league. So What do you mean at one point you had his jersey? Did you lose Jacques Vaughn's jersey? I don't know where Jacques Vaughn's jersey is. Um, also, I think we're parting ways with David Venterpool, but I don't care as much about that. No, I like Adam Harrington. I don't have a fourth connection to David Vanderpool. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the only really downside to this, I don't think we're thinking at all how it affects the Nets. I think we're how it affects us, which isn't isn't great. But, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of upending and and musical chairs being played with this Nets coaching staff, so it's not surprising. I got a great joke for you. Where is uh, Adam's favorite place to hang out in New Jersey? Harrington Park. (laughs) <laughs> I don't like how you preface that as a great joke. <laughs> All right, moving on. This is the last uh, last segment before we end it. Did you know that Kevin Durant is a weed guy? I only knew that because didn't he mention when he was talking to, was it like Letterman or something, that he yep, was super yep. high? So so uh, for those who don't know, Kevin Durant, and I think his, his company, The Boardroom, I'm not sure – Whoever it is, they have a partnership with Weed Maps. So the topic of marijuana came up on, uh, I guess, David Letterman's show where he interviews people on Netflix. He had Kevin Durant on. And, um, you know, they, they, they brought up the partnership with Weed Maps. And, and Kevin Durant said in regards to smoking weed, to me, it clears the distractions out your brain a little bit, settles you down like having a glass of wine. He goes on to say, I'm actually high right now. After Letterman asked him if he smoked that day. Um, Before you react, I just want to say I love every bit of this. The fact that weed is still stigmatized in some areas of the United States on national media as a dangerous, bad drug is absolutely laughable to me. It's legal in New Jersey. It's legal in 100 million states in America. Uh, I know I'm exaggerating, but it was really cool to see such a prominent athlete, a guy who takes care of his body, one of the best to ever lace them up, be like, yeah, I like smoking weed. It's a distraction. I'm actually high right now. I love that. I absolutely love that because before him, the only other guys I remember saying things like this were like uh, Steven Jackson used to say he was high before a lot of basketball games. And I, just doesn't hit the same you know like steven jackson was a good okay you're player. talking about before basketball games versus before a oh interview. Yeah, yeah yeah you're right i'm sorry i'm sorry you're right but an interview was right. like dude we listen we are a pro weed podcast it's new york's cool jersey's cool Obviously, very pro we're, not, weed we're not at the point of colorado california yet but washington but we like weed we're happy when players smoke with that said i have a basketball game tonight 
I don't want Durant nor myself smoking weed before the basketball game. You're you're you're, you're right. You're right. I I just I meant more more along the lines of like the stigma of great athletes and great players. You know, thinking none of these guys are, are blazing the cron cron. You know, in the off season or on an off day. Yes, I agree. It's cool that he he was so open and candid with it, and nothing but respect for that guy. And, and the cool thing about it was it was almost like watching like the old generation and the new generation. And like, I feel like Letterman was kind of like, all right, like I, I get it. Letterman talked about a time that he had smoked before going to like a Dodgers game or something back in the day. And, you know, and then like Letterman was trying to like sort of paint a negative picture. He's like, oh, like I, I was so zoned out. I, I, you know, maybe I'd smoked the wrong type of weed because I had this thought in my mind or whatever. And Kevin Durant goes, it sounds like you were smoking the right type of weed. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, no, just really cool stuff. Look, just when I thought I couldn't like this guy any anymore, uh, I, I he always. I know, he always and I hate that. And I hate that Chris amazing. Heron. I hate that Chris Heron gets a bad rap. Like he just wanted to do some crack before going out. Uh, with the game. <laughs> a, little, a little different. Um, we're definitely not a pro crack podcast. It was a cracker um, anyway. No, I'm just I, yeah, I think it was Heron. Yeah, no, shout out to Chris Heron though. His his story is really inspirational and. And and obviously, you know, some some people cannot handle Fall River, the path. Fall River Mass. Fall River Mass. So, some people try things that, that aren't legal and that are dangerous to the, their bodies and things. And and you know, that's just not something that I've I've ever gone down that road. It's like you um, trying to play basketball. It's just unnatural. Okay, I don't like that. I'm a pretty good shooter. And I you know, fuck you. I can play basketball. I'll beat you one on one tomorrow. Okay. Um, all right. So yeah, Kevin Durant, confirmed weed guy. Cool, 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 cool. Um, that does it for this week's episode of fireside nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by empire sports media. Do you have any final words for the listeners out there, buddy? Slate.com use code, try it 15, 15% off your first purchase. If you have not tried slate high protein, lactose free chocolate milks and lattes, you dig. Also, if you want a good double IPA and you're in Hackensack, New Jersey, run by elementary, see if they have cuddly whiskers. Chances are they probably don't, but you never know. Thanks for listening, guys. And as always, catch you on the fire side.